0: Thank you for joining The Secret Chord, a weekly exploration of music and spirituality. I'm your host, Adam Jacobs. Hi, folks. Welcome to episode 10 of The Secret Chord. I figured this week it would be a good time to look at some British folk rock. And the band we're going to look at is called Fairport Convention. And the song is called "Meets on the Ledge. So a little bit about the band. Fairport Convention was a British folk rock band. Actually, it is still an active band. They were originally formed in 1967 by a small group of musicians, the most famous of which is probably Richard Thompson. He was the guitarist and the main songwriter. And um, they started out heavily influenced by American folk, and singer-songwriter material. And their original set lists used to comprise a lot of Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell songs and uh, a kind of sound that eventually earned them the nickname the British Jefferson Airplane, partly because they had two lead singers. In 1968, a woman named Sandy Denny joined the band, which was an incredible windfall as she has an absolutely angelic voice and added so much to the band and their sound. As it happens, as an aside, she was the only female that performed a duet with Led Zeppelin. If you've ever heard their song Battle of Evermore on their fourth album, she is the voice, the female voice in that song. So as mentioned, Fairport were pioneers of British folk rock. And uh, they had several great albums. But the pinnacle of their career, in my opinion, was their album called Liege and Leaf, which is considered by many to be a huge step forward musically for the band. And uh, if you break down the album, it consists of six traditional tracks, meaning traditional folk tracks done in their style, and three original compositions in a similar style. So, how do they get this? special sound. What did they do to contribute to this idea of folk rock? Essentially, they took classical British folk music and used electric instruments. They weren't the first ones to do this. They weren't the only ones to do it, but they did it in a very effective way. And it ended up being a surprisingly powerful combination of rock with the traditional. As a reviewer from AllMusic put it, The album was characterized by the fusing of time-worn folk with electric instruments while honoring both. So the song, "Meet on the Ledge, was the second single from this album, Legion Leaf, released in 1968. And the song's title comes from a large, low-hanging tree limb that Richard Thompson used to play on as a child, and he and his friends had dubbed it The Ledge. Interestingly, it became the band's unofficial anthem and was used often to signal that there was going to be no more encores, that the show was over. A lot of people associate the song with some version of the afterlife, and it's often sung by people who are aware of this at funerals. Thompson himself added, once, I had to sing it at my own mother's funeral. It was in her will. That's about the hardest thing I've ever done. So obviously, a contemplative number, written when he was only 17 years old, if you can believe that. We'll listen to it in just a minute. But th- some things to know just before we put it on. It is a slow, sweet, and nostalgic number. It has a beautiful melody arc. And that's one of the things about Fairport in general, is they have wonderful melodies and and harmonies. They were fortunate to have a bunch of good singers. They made beautiful harmony. And this song, in my opinion, has that hallmark of truly great music in that it is both sad and celebratory. Let's take a listen to it, and we'll talk a little bit more about the music and some of the meaning behind it afterwards. Meet on the Ledge by Fairport Convention. We used
1: to say that come the day we'd all be making songs or finding better words these ideas never lasted long. mm
0: The opening line is, we used to say, there'd come a day we'd all be making songs or finding better words. These ideas never lasted long. So what is this about? Clearly, it's about the dreams of youth trying to achieve things, looking to the future, and some amount of despair that comes when you realize that not everything that you had hoped to do is going to come about. It got me thinking about a Talmudic quote that says, no man dies with even half of his goals fulfilled. Well, that seems a little depressing on the one hand. On another hand, it's kind of true. It is part of reality. Everybody has goals. Everybody strives to bring those goals into reality. Even if those goals are achieved, often our next move is just to up our goal To something more challenging. And that's okay. Ultimately, it's not the goal. It's not the achievement of the goal. It's living well day to day. That's the goal. It's how you are along the journey that counts and not the ultimate destination. This is a classically spiritual idea. Some call it mindfulness now. And it's not easy to. Achieve. We have ideas of what achievement means, and we often don't think of the small things, the day-to-day grind, as being an achievement unto themselves. But in reality, if we were able to do that, we would be celebrating our day-to-day existence more often. They go on to say, "The way is up along the road. The air is growing thin. Too many friends who tried, blown off this mountain with the wind." Well, too many friends who tried, what? To make it up the mountain. And that got me thinking about life, goals, achievement. It's all part of a metaphor called climbing the mountain. And, and the image of a mountain is a classically powerful spiritual metaphor. Look at the Book of Kings, for instance. This is something I like to talk about a lot. And uh, it depicts Elijah, the prophet, out in the deserts, running for his life and having a kind of prophetic experience. The text says, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a still small voice. And that's where God was in the simple, the small, and the humble. Spirituality, godliness, is not necessarily to be found in the fireworks it's in the small quiet moments in between. And though in this song, the friends are trying to climb the mountain and they get blown off with the wind. That's often the way it is before the pinnacle is reached. Something goes wrong. The chorus says, meet on the ledge. We're gonna meet on the ledge. When my time is up, I'll see all my friends. And it says, again, meet on the ledge. We're going to meet on the ledge. If you really mean it, it all comes around again. So obviously that's Richard Thomas reflecting on his childhood, spending time with his friends, and there's some nostalgia involved, but it's also looking towards the future. He says, when my time is up, I'm going to see all my friends. There's a kind of arrival There's a homecoming that he's longing for in this song. There is an interesting German word called Zensucht, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. And it's often translated as longing, pining, yearning, or craving. And I read about it, that some psychologists use the word to represent thoughts and feelings about all facets of life that are unfinished or imperfect Paired with a yearning for ideal alternative experiences. So everybody, to some extent, feels displaced and wants to go, quote-unquote, home. We've spoken about this before. It's a fascinating topic, in my opinion. Where do we have this feeling from? Is it part of evolutionary biology that we should be programmed with a desire to look backwards? to go in the wrong direction, to imagine a time that's already passed and to hold it in our hearts in a way that our present doesn't feel as satisfying. What what benefit is there to that? So many writers have reflected on this, many people have thought about it. I think it's part of the topic of meat on the ledge, but I wanted to share with you a couple of thinkers and what they had to say about the nature of the world and the confusing, paradoxical aspects that are contained in it. This is from the writer Anne Lamott, and it's an article called Anne Lamott Shares All That She Knows. Everyone is screwed up, broken, clingy, and scared. That's the name of the article. She says the following, All truth is a paradox. Life is a precious, unfathomably beautiful gift. And it is impossible here on the incarnational side of things. It has been a very bad match for those of us who were born extremely sensitive. It is so hard and weird that we wonder if we are being punked. And it is filled with heartbreaking sweetness and beauty, floods and babies, acne and Mozart all swirled together. Yep, that is the way things are. And it seems to me it should give us a moment of pause. Why are things this way? Especially for you spiritual types out there. Why is there the acne and the floods? Couldn't the Almighty have made a better world than the one that we inhabit? Or is it possibly all by design? Is the journey towards the top of the mountain the point in and of itself? Are we supposed to be challenged and suffer and cry and strive? And that is the point itself. It's not about reaching some ultimately pleasurable states, at least in this existence, but rather learning and growing through the challenge, the confusion, the difficulty. I found one more quote by someone named Umar Haque, H-A-Q-U-E, in an article called The Difference Between Purpose and Meaning. He says the following, Meaning is a waterfall. Purpose is a is a mountain. Now, your goal in this little life is to find a mountain with a waterfall on top of it and then shout to the parched, hey, there's water up here. Meaning is the end of purpose, which is only a means, and even meaning is just a means too. And so the challenge isn't, as we often think, climbing the tallest or nearest mountain, quickest or highest it's not just climbing any old mountain. If you climb a mountain in the desert, you're probably not going to find a waterfall. The challenges are climbing the right mountain, finding the waterfall, and then leading people to the river. Now we come closer to what this mysterious thing called meaning is. The reason people get so confused about meaning is because they think it's something they have to accumulate, possess, hoard. Precisely the opposite is true. It is the benefits that we give freely, generously, wholeheartedly, authentically. We discover our lives mean something to others. When we have a positive impact, a human benefit, then the reward is our lives begin to hold meaning. So your sense of meaning is the happiness that others enjoy, not that you enjoy. The waterfall, when you've led people to the river and they're drinking deep, Then you are filled up too, not materially, but in a truer and deeper way, existentially as a human being. So that's a lot. And these are deep ideas and ideas that touch on the true, inner, and profound, ultimate meaning of existence. I don't know if 17 year old Richard Thompson meant all this when he wrote the song. And in fact, when asked about it, he said, He didn't know exactly what it was about, but it was about something important. It's a gorgeous, meaningful, heartfelt song, sung beautifully, played beautifully, and in my opinion, contains some profound ideas. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it and considering these concepts. And as always, I look forward to speaking to you again next week with more music and more ideas. Wishing you a wonderful week. Take care.
1: Thank you for listening. If you would like to find more content like this, as well as information about live programming, visit us at www.hny.com. That's www.aishny.com.